0: So hello, everybody. Today, uh, this is Joseph. Today I'm here with our AP U.S. History teacher, Miss Nix. Hi, everybody. Uh, for those of you for those of you future high school students, AP U.S. History is a very challenging but very rewarding class, and I do feel better prepared for college for having taken it. So today, because it is November, we will be looking at the story of Thanksgiving. Now, obviously, this has caused some controversy in recent years. And so, because Ms. Nix loves Charlie Brown, and because I'm sure a lot of you do, we will be focusing in on a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Uh, We can't read it all for you, but y'all are more than welcome to check it out at your local library. So Linus says two particular quotes that I want to look at. Uh, Linus disagrees. Thanksgiving is a very important holiday, he explains. Ours was the first country in the world to make a national holiday to give thanks. And then... Later in the story... Linus stands up. In the year 1621, the pilgrims had their first Thanksgiving feast, he begins, Elder William Brewster, who was a minister, said a prayer that went something like this. We thank God for our homes and food and our safety in a new land. We thank God for the opportunity to create a new world for freedom and justice. So, what are your thoughts on those two quotes?
1: Well, we definitely are the first country to bring in a day of thanks. Now, it's actually not implemented as a national holiday until 1863, largely um, because Lincoln's wife, had been advocating for it, and so we are in the middle of the Civil War when he finally relents and agrees that we should establish a national day to stop and give thanks and enjoy one another.
0: Interesting. So, what is, and this is part of the reason why there's such a big controversy, what actually happened that led up to the quote-unquote first Thanksgiving?
1: The... The first Thanksgiving is really the, about the year after the Pilgrims' first land. The Pilgrims actually get to Plymouth Bay in 1620, and it was a really rough time. They were out of provisions, they're on the ships, they're running out of supplies. A lot of people were in near-starving um, conditions when they finally come ashore. And the tribe that is supposed to be mentioned in the first Thanksgiving is the Wampanoags, but they're not really the first one to come to the Pilgrims' aid. The first person to come to their aid is Squanto, who is actually part of the Potoxic tribe. And he actually does go in and teaches them how to cultivate corn and a few other crops and kind of gets them up off the ground. And then he also helps them um, barter the peace treaty with um, Massasoit, who is the chief of the Wampanoags. So what we understand is that we're about 50 of the pilgrims were there. Probably 90-plus Native Americans were there. It wasn't just a quick afternoon of feasting. It was about a three-day celebration. happened originally sometime in November of 1621. We don't have an exact date for that. Um, they would have had deer, various fowl, which is you know, bird-like food items, and, of course, corn was consumed on the first three-day celebration. It was meant to commemorate that there was a new peace treaty between them and the Wampanoags, which they both had promised they would not harm a member of the other's group. So that's what actually happens then.
0: So then, I mean, that at least just based on what you said, that sounds like a very, you know, happy something that we should celebrate. You know, it's a peace treaty. Where does the controversy come in?
1: Well, the controversy comes in as if you've taken any American history class is that the peace between the English colonists never lasts with the Native Americans and almost instantly there will be conflicts between the two. Even the origin of the treaty with the Wampanoags may have been less about helping the new English settlers and more about trying to get them on their side in their conflict with their enemies, which were the Narragansett Indians. So certainly by 1623, 1624, things are going south, and within a matter of years, there is no longer peace, even among the Plymouth settlers, spreading throughout uh, the, some of the New England colonies. Ultimately, Massasoit, his son, Medicom, will be part of the leading group in what's called King Philip's War, which is a very bloody, long conflict between a lot of your New England states. Connecticut was in it certainly Massachusetts Bay. Um, And Medicom is reopening this conflict because from what I understand, there were two Native Americans that were part of the tribe that were going to be killed by several members of the Plymouth Plantation area. One was, um, I don't know if I can say the names, one was a member of, I don't know if he's, if he's Wampanoag or not. But um Punapoag and then also a Christian convert that we refer to in history as John Sassaman were murdered by the Englishman. And then Medicom then carries out a whole series of raids in exchange for this back and forth and it blows up. And then of course Metacom will eventually be put to death after he's captured by the English citizens, and then he will be drawn and quartered, and parts of his body carried to all four different corners of what was then the American English colonies, and he's beheaded. His son and his um, wife were sold off into slavery, and so you can understand how this is the, the son of Massasoit, that they might see this as like an ultimate betrayal that led ultimately to the destruction of not only the Wampanoags, but the Naringessets and several other fairly large civilized tribes along the eastern seaboard.
0: Yeah, that (laughs) I can definitely see that. So you mentioned that the Wampanoag were not the first tribe to to come to the aid of the English settlers. Which one was the first?
1: Well, it's not I don't even know if it's a whole tribe. Squanto who's part of the Potoxic tribe is the first one to come to their aid and through him he um, had learned English and he was able to network with other Native Americans that might be more friendly with this group where they could help trade to get whatever needed items right then and then also to get them started on this new crop which for them was brand new would be the corn or maize. Um, so he really is the the, the entrance point to the geopolitical conflicts of native-on-native wars going on. And so the Wampanoags had already been carrying on wars with their enemies, the Narengessetts, and they thought this might give them a little bit of an edge to have these new white men and their guns and their other resources added to their side of this conflict.
0: Interesting. So uh, at what point did the white settlers find out that they were being used and start to become angry?
1: I don't think that they got mad because they were even being used. It was simply a matter of, we wanted to expand into land. The Native Americans did not really understand that this small group of three ships was not going to be it. That there would be continuous waves of new um, English migrants coming to the shores, and this constantly pushed them into Native American lands. The Native Americans already had settled hunting rights and hunting grounds among each other, And so it kind of pushes them into each other's territory and reopens essentially a three-way conflict. And everybody is going to align with whoever they can to try and get the upper hand. We certainly did it as much as the Native Americans did. We made a habit in history of playing one tribe off of another to sort of weaken both in our favor.
0: And then at what point would some of the old world infectious diseases, particularly smallpox, have started causing problems?
1: I don't know specifically with, in connection with Thanksgiving and the Wampanoag and the Plymouth area. Smallpox is always an issue. Um, so was influenza. Um, things that we today, you know, you, you have flu, you get it for three or four days, you feel icky. But if you've never experienced before, just being exposed to the flu is severe. Smallpox becomes a recurring problem, but it also decimated the white communities. I mean, it was very lethal, to a large percentage of the population in the 16 and 1700s.
0: So would you say most history textbooks nowadays are accurate to what actually happened or would you say they portray a skewed view?
1: There's a lot of variety in textbooks. The older textbooks certainly and it's not a pun but whitewash a lot of history. There's been a growing trend in history in general since about the late 60s, 70s to look at who else's story has been left up. So there's been a lot of research on various groups. Um, The Native Americans, African Americans, Latinos, Asians, women were just generally not part of the American uh, narrative until at least the 1960s to the 1970s. And there's a reason it bucks up to those civil rights movements among various groups. So I would think that more modern textbooks tend to try to get at least some of the marginalized people's stories into them, but it becomes an issue now of if we spend a lot of time with a Native American perspective and we spend a lot of time with this perspective and a lot of time with that perspective, what do we cut in the curriculum to make room for that? So I think they try to at least tell you in the textbook, if nothing else, this is the, what was representative of the first Thanksgiving. However, this will lead to further complaints that will be dealt with in such and such chapter to let you know there is more to the story. But history is getting crowded in American mm-hmm. history. I mean, in my own career, we've added more than two decades of history. So we aren't adding any days to the academic year. So it's like, well, if I add a day for the Twin Towers, what do I take out of my curriculum to make room for that. And so as we are broaching trying to capture more voices of all of America, you're going to have to sacrifice some of those stories that we traditionally used to um, grant valor and uh, I don't know how to say that politely, that we tend to put a lot of dead white men on pedestals. And they get an exorbitant amount of history time, even now. So we have to downplay and cut some of that. So how much do I cut off of Jackson's presidency to make room for the Trail of Tears? How much of um, Kennedy's do we talk about how you also had a fair amount of racism and it's the height of the civil rights? And so things are competing for space in the classroom due to the number of days that we have.
0: Yes ma'am. So would you say that Thanksgiving is a very important issue for people to research on their own?
1: I think it is but I think that you need to understand that there is no event in history that's a hundred percent pure and positive. Any event any person is going to have some blemish on that event has Thanksgiving today, is it truly representative now of that first Thanksgiving or has it become something more? Has it been a, a time for us, not even as Americans, but as just as individuals to take time out of our day to think about what's been good in our life, to think about the people that we love, the family that we bring together at the table, to think about who's missing now and, and you know, to give time for those that are missing I think it's taken on its own understanding, its own meaning, very separate from what the very first Thanksgiving in 1621 was. And I think it did that by 1663. I think that by the time that it was initiated as a national holiday in 1863, it was a lot less about that one event. For one thing, there were multiple days of these celebrations of of treaties and tribes between Native American groups and English settlers early on before things exploded and got a lot dirtier and uglier. But you don't want to forget that for every story, somebody probably lost. Who lost and what would be their perspective? And is their perspective important for us to remember? It's at least important enough to acknowledge that it occurred. Does it overshadow the positive image that we take from sort of the warm, unifying blessing feeling that we get from our modern interpretation of Thanksgiving. Now, with that being said, do I think we should dress up kindergarteners as pilgrims and put feathers in their hair and parade them around in little plays that we're using to bring their parents to pay raise money for elementary school? I'm not sure that that should still be done. I think that that's a matter of cultural appropriation where you're not telling both sides. Not that I think you tell five-year-olds about the murders and the wars and the mayhem, but you also need to be sensitive that that also brings a lot of hurt to another side.
0: Yes, ma'am. So do you think this holiday should focus more on the history? Do you think we should keep it more towards the let's be thankful for what we have?
1: Absolutely, we should be thankful for what we should have. We should be thankful for a country that we still have a great deal of freedom in, We should be thankful for a country that produced Charles Schultz and Snoopy and the rest of the Peanuts gang. We should be thankful that we take time and that we have the opportunity. Um, Most Americans, not all, but most Americans have enough blessings that we have a surplus, that we can eat ridiculous amounts of food on one day and enjoy the time together together. In, uh, in front of the TV, either watching football, playing football, listening to stories from Grandpa. But if you want to look at a historical event to be celebrated in November, I think probably Veterans Day is a much bigger one to see as a full historical event than simply Thanksgiving.
0: Yes, ma'am. And then uh, lastly, because I do think we are running out of time, what's some advice you would give for people who are reading, uh, whether it be articles or history textbooks or even primary sources about history to cut through the author's bias and get just the facts so that they can interpret the facts for themselves and not have that other person's influence
1: history's never one document you can't get history from one person's point of view you have to get another source from someone else's perspective preferably multiple different sources so if you want to know what really happened and they're talking about you know, how the paintings that are utilized at that time that are in our early nationalist painting period and are glorifying this event and all the Indians are happy and joyous, you might want to go look for are there sources from the Native American perspective about it at the time? If not, are there writings from modern members of the Native American tribes that are trying to put this back into context? But no, again, nothing was without blemish. So you do have to balance both sides of the story to get closer to the truth.
0: Interesting. Thank you so much, Ms. Nix.
1: Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. All righty, so don't forget to go check out uh, A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving at your local library and be mindful of, that every, there are two sides to every story. Adios.
1: The music in this episode was provided by Fez Lion Studios. Thank you. The views expressed in our podcast are those of the participants and not of Benton School District. Thank you.